Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, if you've been here in previous uh, sessions where I've been talking about participating in prosperity, let me just recap. I wasn't... uh, uh, I was going to minister this last week, and the Holy Ghost led us differently. And uh, want to bring up the fact that uh, we have a covenant with God. When God entered into covenant with Abraham, He entered into a very solemn co- uh, covenant with Abraham, and He said, "If you will believe Me, I will bless you." And the fo- first and foremost blessing of Abraham is the, is to the seed, who's Christ. And God raised up uh, Abraham to begin a nation, to start a nation through whom Christ could come. And so his descendants, he passed that blessing on to Isaac, his son. Isaac passed it on to Jacob. It passed down to all of the tribes of Israel. And the, and the covenant that God made with Abraham included certain provisions. First and foremost was righteousness that comes by faith. And we have that today. Glory to God. We've received that promise. But the Bible in, in, in Galatians talks about promises. It wasn't just one promise. There were promises made. And one of them, we could go into a lot of different things, but the thing we're focusing on in this series is the promise of material blessing. Now, if you read, we don't have time today. If, you, if, you, if you're not sure, you could go back and listen to the other uh, installments of this series. And you can see that there are ample and plenty of scriptures in the Old Testament in the life of Abraham and as it was expounded upon or explained and passed down to the children of Israel uh, who were the natural seed of Abraham that uh, the provision for material blessing is there. It's clear, it's it's not ambiguous, you can't misunderstand it. God promised to bless his people. He promised Abraham and his descendants that he would bless him and them, that they would have uh, wealth and riches and all that they need to to fully establish the covenant in the earth. In order for the covenant of Christ, which is who is the seed of Abraham, the new covenant is the manifestation of the covenant that God made to Abraham. And for the new covenant to be established in the earth, it takes money. I mean, it takes $90,000 just to put a roof on our playground and, you know, replace the, the uh, 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 surface and everything, put a fence up. But it, it takes money to preach the gospel. It takes money to go overseas like Greg's going to go uh, uh, next month. It takes money to do all these things. And without the, without the prosperity of God's people, that's not going to happen. God needs you to prosper. You might think you need to prosper. God needs you to prosper more than you need to prosper because he needs to get it through you. And then because we don't, we don't receive from the world. The Bible says that, that men will give an into our bosom, but we, we don't look to the world for our source as our source. God is our source, but he, he uses people to get it to us. Well, in order for that flow to happen, we have to be giving into the work of God. See, you're giving into, uh, you know, what, what, whatever type of, of, uh, of civic thing that interests you that you might contribute to that's important to you. Giving to that won't unlock the blessing of God. 
because there's no gospel benefit in that. But giving into the gospel unlocks the blessing of God because, because it requires a flow of cash. It, it requires a flow of resources for the gospel to spread. And that's only going to come from the church. So he's got to get it to you so that he can get it through you. But if he can't get it through you, it won't come to you. Does that make sense? Isn't that simple? I think we all understand that. We all nod our head, but not everybody's participating. If you, want, if you want to have God's prosperity in your life the way you need it and the way God wants it, you have to participate. Amen. So we've been talking about these things and uh, uh, we've come to this point in this. Uh, go with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Very familiar verse. Verse 38 says, Give... And it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now hold your place there and go to the verse that I read this morning over the offering. Does anybody know where that is? Well, those of you who know, just turn there. Don't tell anybody else. Just let them find. No, I'm just kidding. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse number six. This I say, he who sows sparingly, or you could say stingily, stinging, stingingly, I don't know, will receive in the same manner. Because Jesus said, the same measure that you use will be measured back to you. Do you see how that's saying the same thing? He who sows bountifully or generously will also reap bountifully or generously because the same measure that you use will be measured back to you. Give and it shall be given unto you. Don't give and it won't be given unto you. Now that's implied, that's not in the verse, but that's, it, it, it's there because receiving follows giving. I said this by the inspiration of the Spirit. I'd never said it before early on in this, in this teaching. Over in Deuteronomy, the, the uh, uh, eighth chapter, it says that, that it's God who gives us the power to get wealth. And I said the power to get wealth is not just uh, like, a, like a supernatural power, like a power ball, you know. Uh, it's not a, it's, it, there is that, but the power to get wealth is giving. That's the power. Just like when the woman with the, with, the, with the issue of blood came in the press, you know, and, and touched Jesus' garment, she said to herself, she had been sick with this for, for many years, and she said within herself, if I can only touch his garment, I will be healed. There were people all around him, pressing all around him. He could barely move for the people. She managed to work her way through that crowd, and falling at his feet, she touched the hem of his garment. Now, the Bible says, this is in, in the fifth chapter of Mark. The Bible says that Jesus, now, if, first of all, it says when she touched him, she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague, that disease. So she felt something come into her and it, and it healed her and she felt healed. Jesus 
And this is a little side journey. A lot of people don't understand the humanity and the deity of Christ. Jesus was and is the, the second person of the Trinity. He is, the, he is God. Pre-existed. The Bible says that everything that was created, he created it. So Jesus is the son of God, but he didn't know who touched him. God knows everything. God knows who touched him and what their name was and what size shoe they wore. I mean, God knows everything. Jesus did not know who touched. It says he turned around and said, who touched me? And the disciples said, Lord, there are people bumping into you all over. How can you ask who touched me? Everybody's touching you. And it says that he looked around to see who had done this. That just shows us that in his earthly life, though Jesus was God, he was not ministering as God. He, in other words, he was not ministering with the powers and the uh, uh, attributes and the, and the uh, things that, that only belong to deity. Because he laid, the Bible says in Ephesians that he, or in Philippians, that he laid those things aside. He emptied himself of those things temporarily and took upon the the form of a servant and became like us. And as a man, he had to depend on the Holy Spirit. When Jesus knew things supernaturally, he, 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 he knew what the disciples were talking about behind his back. He only knew that by the Holy Spirit. You say, well, that's God. Yeah, but you have the same Holy Spirit. Just like the Holy Spirit is in you, he was in Jesus. And Jesus knew as a man, he only knew supernaturally. He only had supernatural knowledge of things by the Spirit communicating to him. Well, on this particular occasion, the Holy Spirit didn't communicate with him. The Holy Spirit did not show him. He He didn't know who it was. He's turned around and said, who touched me? And finally, when she saw that everybody's looking around, that she couldn't be hidden. She, she said it was me. She admitted it's me. Now, I said all that to say this. Jesus said, woman, your faith has made you whole. Now, I, I left this part out. After the woman touched him and felt in her body that she was healed, that, the next verse says that Jesus, knowing that power had gone out of him, He sensed the flow of healing power leaving his body. He just didn't know who it went into. So he turned around to find out who it was and finally she admitted it was her. Jesus felt the power go out of him. She felt the power come into her and that power healed her body. But Jesus didn't say, woman, my power has healed you. Did the power heal her? Absolutely. He felt the power leave his body. She felt it come into her body and she felt healed. His power healed her, but Jesus didn't say, daughter, my power has healed you. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. What that tells us is that that faith is the power to heal. Because faith releases power. The power of God. Faith controls the power of God. When you, when you use your faith, the power of God will flow. Well, in that sense, giving is the power to get wealth. 
Because wealth is under, for the Christian, wealth is under the control of your giving. Your giving releases the wealth. Can you see that? So giving is the power. You, instead of, I'm not against, you know, studying natural things, business practices and investments, all of that. If, that, if that's your thing, that's fine. That's not what this is talking about. That natural things that you can do to invest and to save and to plan, all of those things are good. And I, and I do advocate that. But that will not provide you the wealth of God. That's only limited. It's very, very limited. We should use what we can use, but, it, but it's limited. Giving is the power to get wealth. God's way of giving you wealth is tied to your giving. Should make us very interested in this subject. Amen. Hallelujah. Go with me then over to Genesis chapter 14. I'm going to turn my clock on now and I can start. Genesis 14. Now, God has promised at this point to bless Abraham and his descendants. Now, some kings came together and were in confederacy uh, against some other kings and other lands. And uh, on the losing side of that proposition, one of the cities was, was Sodom. Well, Lot, Abraham's nephew, lived in Sodom. So these kings came along and they took everything out of Sodom, took all of the people, all of the goods, plundered the entire nation and city and just took it away. And so Abraham rose up with his, you know, several hundred trained, I think 300-something trained uh, warriors. His own, he had his own security team, his own army. He went after them and defeated them. And he brought back all of, the, all of the, the spoils of the battle. Everything that these kings and this confederacy of, of kings and their armies had taken away, Abraham went and, got it, went and got it all back. Brought it all back to his rightful owners. And it says in verse 18, Then Melchizedek, this is right after this happened. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out Britain. Now Salem uh, later became Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jerusalem or Jerusalem. Is the same place. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him, that is, Melchizedek blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands, into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tithe of all. Notice that God had entered into covenant with Abraham. But Abraham knew, we don't have any teaching as to how he knew it, but we see here that he knew that of everything you bless me with, I'm going to give a tenth to you. Now, you, could, you don't have to look right now, but if you fast forward over to the 28th chapter, his grandson Jacob said the very same thing. He promised the Lord, he said, of everything you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So there was a principle in Abraham and his seed. Abraham and his descendants under the promise, under the covenant. There was a principle that they understood that anything God gives, you give a tenth back to him. And so 
how do you do that? Well, you can't, you can't mail a check to heaven. You can't make a, a, a transfer out of your accounts to heaven. But he gave to the priest of God most high. He gave to God's representative. That is under the covenant. Tithing, when, you, when we want to talk about the giving side of this, tithing is the first place. Tithing is the starting point. You could, I could get more amens than that. I know there are more of you out there. Tithing is the starting point for, for giving and participating in God's financial plan. It's, it's, the, it's the foundation. And I'll prove this to you as we go forward here. We see that, that tithing was a feature of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Now, in Galatians, we've read the scripture already, so we don't have to read it. But if you don't know it, just write it down. In Galatians chapter 3, well, I, I am going to read it. Go to Galatians chapter 3 because I, it's just good to, to have these words imprinted in your mind. Galatians chapter 3. I was going to read verse 17, but I'm going to start in verse 15. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, just a natural covenant contract that you make with someone. Yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls it or adds to it. Once you enter into a contract, unless you can get the other side to agree, you can't just decide, you know, I don't like the terms of my mortgage. You know, I didn't get such a good, you know, interest rates have fallen. And here I am paying two percentage points higher than everybody else. I think I'm just going to I'm going. I'm just going to start giving two percent instead of instead of four percent. Well, no, you're not. You can't just change it. You can't annul it. You can't add to it unless you can get the other side to to, to change. Well, God's not going to change. You can't get God to change. Amen. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He's not, he does, notice it's promises, plural. He does not say and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, singular, who is Christ. And this I say that the law, which is 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before, before by Christ, by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. People have had this idea, and this is a very common misunderstanding. I had this misunderstanding, even though I was raised in church, and uh, our church taught, and our family, my parents were very diligent tithers. And I knew this, but when I backslid and got away from God, when I first started coming back to church, I, uh, I sort of had this idea of, wait a minute, you know, I don't need to tithe. Tithing's under the law. No, tithing was, tithing was under the law, but tithing was before the law. All the, all the law did where tithing was concerned was put regulations around it. And actually, it wasn't just one tithe. There were several different kinds of tithes under the law. But tithing existed in the day of Abraham, and it existed before then. If you, if you go with me over to Genesis, and I'll, this is where I can show you that, that tithing is fundamental to every other form of, gov- of giving. Go to the fourth chapter of Genesis. Genesis chapter four. <clears throat> Verse number three. 
Well, let's start in verse number one. Now, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now listen to this. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So, so Abel was a, was a, was a uh, uh, managed livestock. He had livestock. That's what he did. His brother, Cain, was a farmer. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Both of these men brought an offering to the Lord. This is the very first place in the Bible that the concept of first fruits is introduced. Notice that Abel brought of the first of his flock and of the fat. In other words, that means he chose the the very best. He chose the fatted calf. He chose the very best specimen and he did it first. He took one first Out of her, we don't know how many, but he took them out first and they were the best. And the Bible says that God respected that. How many of you want God to respect your giving? Did you know God doesn't respect everybody's giving? God doesn't respect everybody's giving. God doesn't respect you just anything you give. What was it about Cain that God didn't respect? Cain brought an offering of his own. He, he basically brought a veggie tray. He brought a fruit basket of his fruit. He brought something, but it wasn't first, foremost, it wasn't the best. It was something. Well, it's, a lot of people have the idea, well, I brought, you know, I brought something, God's going to bless me. Well, not necessarily. So not necessarily. Because the tithe is the first fruit. And the tithe is a tenth. Abraham, it says in chapter 14, go over there again, chapter 14 And Abraham gave Melchizedek, the priest, a tithe. Now, the word tithe in the Hebrew, and when you find it in the New Testament, in the Greek, it is actually a mathematical term. It means one-tenth. He gave him a tenth of all. That's that's, That's where we get the idea and, it, and it's expounded on there in Proverbs chapter 3. You can go there. Go to Proverbs chapter 3. Notice that Abel brought of the first of his flock and of the fat. In Proverbs thir- uh, chapter 3, it says in verse 9, Honor the Lord with your possessions 
and with the first fruits of all your increase. Like I said in, in Abel's case there in Genesis chapter 4, that's the first occurrence of this first fruits idea. He brought the first of his flock. He said, it says here, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty. How many of you like the sound of that? And your vats will overflow with new wine. That sounds pretty good too. That's, that's the bountiful blessing. That's the abundant blessing. When... when Abel offered the first fruits. He, 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 bore, he brought the very first of his flock and of the best. He, got, he picked the best, the fattest. He picked a, a, a lamb without blemish, lambs possibly without blemish. But what he picked out was the first. It was the best. What was he doing? He was honoring God. God didn't receive that, that, that veggie tray from Cain as honorable. And he didn't respect it. If you want God to respect your giving, you need to come according to his precepts, according to his, his prescription, what he has prescribed. And it all has to do with honor. Because you see, when you, when you offer your tithe, there... It's tied to your, your increase. It's one-tenth of your increase. It's, it's, it's mathematically determined. When you do that, you're, you're, you're very specifically, you're not just honoring God in general. See, a lot of people say, well, every time I give, I give to honor God. Yeah, but if you're not giving a tenth, you're not, your honor isn't tied to your income. You're just honoring God uh, carelessly based on what you want. If you, for instance, if you make $52,000 a year, you, and if you're paid every week, that's $1,000 a week. When you give a, a, a $100 as a tithe, if, you're, if your income goes up, you know, to $2,000 a week and you give 200 as a tithe. You're honoring God, but very specifically, you're honoring him with your increase. You were increased that week by $1,000. You gave him 100. The next few months later, you got a raise, a good raise too. <laughs> you went from 1,000 to $2,000. You went up to $200, you're honoring him with your possession and with the first fruits of all your increase. If you give, if you're making the $1,000 and you give God $25, you're not honoring him with your increase. And, and you get a pay raise and you're still giving 25, you're not honoring God with your increase. Even if you get a pay raise and you go up to 30, if that's not 10%, it's not tied to your increase. So you can't, you're not honoring God with your increase. See, my wife and I increase every week when we get a paycheck. Every week, that's increase. Because if we don't get it, we're lacking something. 
That's something we didn't have. But when we get our check that's increased, we honor God with the tenth, one-tenth of all our, of our increase. Abraham honored God, giving to, to Melchizedek a tithe, 10% of all. Does that, does that make sense? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Go with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 7. I want to just make sure this is clear because a lot of people have these ideas sometimes that are not scriptural. And I didn't. When I first started going back to church, you know, I hadn't been tithing, I hadn't been giving, I hadn't been living for God. And I didn't really want to tithe 10% of my income. That's a lot of money, you know, 10%. And so I thought, well, that's under the law. And uh, I said, I was foolish enough to say something to my pastor about it. And he said, no, sir. He said, that didn't begin with the law. That was before the law. And uh, I finally saw it. Praise the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 7, let's look at the verse, look at verse number 2. Let's start in verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham, now notice what it says, gave a tenth part of all. Remember, tithe is a tenth. He gave him a tenth part of all. Not of, he didn't give him a tenth of part of it. He gave him a tenth of all of it. That's what the tithe is. Nine percent is not a tithe. 10% is a tithe. Amen. I'm trying to help you. If men tithe to God before the law and during the law, and they, on, they did it to honor God, should we not honor God as much under grace when we have a better covenant with better promises than they had? If Abraham tithed to a type of Christ through an earthly priest, should we not tithe to Christ himself, our heavenly high priest? You have to participate in your prosperity. If you want to prosper, you have to come God's way. See, I, when I, if I'm going to give, I don't... Now, I'm not as much like this as my wife. My, my wife is tight with money. She wants the best deal. She wants to get every penny's worth. When, she, when, we, when we go to, I laugh, at, I laugh at her all the time for this. We go to McDonald's and she orders French fries. If they're not hot, she sends them back. She says, no, I want hot fries. I'm kind of like, you know, they were warm. Okay, you know, I'm all right with it. Nope, I want my fries hot. So she, she finally learned the secret was to order fries with no salt because they have to cook them especially for her because, you know, they cook them and they got them in that thing. They're already salted down there under the light, you know. She said, I want, I want salt fries with no salt, so they always come out hot. My wife wants to get what she pays for. Well, when, you, when, you're, when I'm more like, you know, well, okay, I take something back and, 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 you know, they mixed it up and they didn't give me the full refund. It's like, okay, whatever. Not my wife. No, sir. 
I'm supposed to get that, that, that you, you refunded the wrong amount. That was $9 and 73 cents. And you gave me $9 and 70 cents. I want my three cents. I mean, even if it's a few dollars, it just doesn't bother me. But when you're, when you're giving substantially to the Lord, I want him to respect everything I give. I don't want to be giving, you know, $100 a week and him not respect it. Because if he doesn't respect it, how many of you can understand if he doesn't respect, he doesn't bless it? It didn't say he didn't bless Cain, but it says he didn't respect his offering. That tells me he didn't bless him because of it. He respected Abel. And Abel, you say, yeah, and Abel ended up dead. What are you laughing at? But his blood still speaks. Still speaks today. Amen. He ended up in heaven. Cain didn't turn out so good. He's, he was stingy. God didn't bless him. And he ended up murdering his brother. It occurred to me a few years ago, I was reading this, that the very first occasion of strife in the Bible was over tithing. No wonder it still makes people mad. Because God respected Abel and his offering and did not respect Cain and his offering. It made Cain mad and and God tried to help him. His countenance fell. If you read that whole passage in chapter 4 of Genesis, the Lord said, came, to, came to, Cable and, to Abel and said, what's wrong with you? Why is your countenance down? If you do good, you'll be blessed. Well, he didn't do good. He murdered his brother. But his brother has a place in heaven. Glory to God. And his blood still speaks. Didn't, it didn't fare well with Cain. I don't know where he is now. But you can guess. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, go with me, and I'll close with this. Go with me to Malachi chapter 3. We're about to get into some rich stuff here. Malachi chapter 3. Yeah, preacher, you're reading from the Old Covenant. Yes, I know. (laughs) Just like the other 300 times the New Testament quotes from the Old Testament. (laughs) Remember, tithing was before the law. It was all the way back just, just outside of the Garden of Eden. It was before the law. It was incorporated in the law and regulated in the law. But the blessing is the same. The law didn't, didn't interfere with it or intercept it or, or cut it off or anything like that. Will a man rob God, rob God, verse number 8? This is Malachi 3. Malachi 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now notice verse 10. Bring all the tithe. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven 
and pour out for you such blessing there will not be room enough to receive it. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now the storehouse in the Old Testament was the place where the Levites, people of Israel, all the different tribes, they gave to the tribe of Levi. Levi. The Levites took all of the tithe and they put it in the storehouse. Out of the storehouse, they funded all of the operation, first of all, of the tabernacle and later of the temple. All the priestly duties to, 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 uh, uh, to maintain the priesthood, to, to provide for the Levites and all their service, to provide for everything they needed for the worship of, of, the, of, the, of the tabernacle and the temple. All of that came out of the, of the tithe that was brought to the storehouse. Well, the storehouse today is the local church. You say, well, how can you say that? There isn't any other possible parallel in the New Testament than the local church. I'm going to say that again. There isn't any other possible parallel to the storehouse in the Old Testament in the New Testament other than the local church. There's no, there's just, it can't be anything else. The storehouse is where you bring the tithes and offerings to fund the ministry. Now, the missionaries go out from churches. We, we fund that. Traveling ministers who come through, we fund that. It all comes out of the local church. Now, a lot of people in various ministries, they have mailing lists and they have uh, uh, they solicit money outside the local church. It's not God's best. I said it's not God's best. I'm going to say it third time. <laughs> it's not God's best. It's supposed to come through and fund through the local church, but that's another topic altogether. Here's a little known fact. Facts, plural. plural. The tribe of Levi was not given an inheritance like the other tribes of Israel. You remember when they went into, to, in Joshua, you know, brought them into the land of Canaan? The, the different tribes were allotted a national inheritance. To this, to this land over here was given this, this certain territory to, to the tribe of, of you know, Gad and, the, and to the tribe of Manasseh. And to, they were, the, the land was divided and each one of the tribes got a portion and that was their land. They could farm that land. They could raise cattle. They could work with their hands and God would bless. He said, I'll bless everything you put your hand to. As they were faithful to bring tithes and offerings, they could work that land, work their cattle, whatever, and they could prosper according to their diligence, their faith, their work ethic, all of those things. The tribe of Levi was not given an inheritance in the national distribution of lands. The Levites didn't have a land. The Levites lived off of the tithe. That's how they prospered. They, tithe, they lived off of the support that came into the storehouse. Now with that, if you read, if you, I don't have time, and I don't even think I could tell you where the reference is, but I, I could find it. You can find it yourself, rather. <laughs> Look it up yourself. The, the Levites had farms, and they had livestock. They bought farmland 
in all of the different territories, wherever they wanted. They would go into whatever territory it was in whatever tribe and they would buy a, a, a piece of property and a city and whatever and that would be their homestead and they, would, they could farm and stuff when they weren't working in the temple but they were able to do that with the funds that came from the tithes. So they were supported by the other tribes through tithes and offerings. Now, the Levites ministered for 20 years from age 30 to age 50. And at age 50, they were commanded to retire. They retired, they retired at age 50. The tithe that they had received provided them cattle, lands, and so forth. They continued to receive a tithe. I mean, they, they continued to receive from the storehouse. But they retired at age 50 and were financially secure for life. That's interesting. Well, it says here, try me in this. This is in in Malachi. Try me in this, he said. Put me to the test. Go back to to Malachi chapter 3. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room to receive it. Did you you remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil and Jesus quoted the verse from the Old Testament that says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Remember that? That's, that's, that's a commandment. We're, we're forbidden to test the Lord. But here, this is the one exception, the only exception in the Bible. God said right here, he said, I'll tell you what. You bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me. Put me to the test. That's the only place in the Bible where God says, try me, test me. If you, had, if you had someone you trusted who was wealthy beyond, let's say you had a, you know, a rich relative that just had millions and just unlimited, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, and, and you knew they were a good person, they weren't alive, they came to you and they said, if you'll do such and such for me, you test me and see if I won't bless you. You'd be borrowing money <laughs> to, to do whatever they wanted. Isn't that right? God is saying, put me to, just try me. You bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and you watch me bless you. That's quite a proposition. Amen. When I saw that, that was one of the things that really opened my eyes. I thought, hmm, I'm going to try this. I'm going to, I'm going to put God to the test. And I'm going to tell you what, he has proven himself faithful. He has proven himself so faithful. Glory to God. When Abraham, I I, I said I was going to close with that, but I'm going to close with this. I'm going to to add this to my closing. closing. Go to Genesis again, 14. He gave him a tithe of all, of all. 
Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and keep all the goods for yourself. (laughs) Now that's a pretty good offer. He said, just give me the people and all of the bounty, all of of what you brought back. He said, keep it all for yourself. This this king was so happy. He, He was probably not real smart. He said, just give me the people, keep the goods for yourself, keep it all. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. And he said this in the, in the, in the hearing of Melchizedek, a type of Christ. He said that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap and that I will not take anything that is yours now notice, what, what was all the, 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 all the spoil? He said, give, he said, give me the people, the, this king of Sodom said, give me the, king, the people, you keep all the goods for yourself. He said, I will, Abraham said, I will not take anything that is yours. So that tells me that the goods were the kings. All of the goods belonged to the kings. The king had the authority to give it to Abraham. And Abraham said, I'm not taking it because you'll go out and brag and say, Abraham's rich because I helped him. Because Abraham was already rich. But this king had an ulterior motive. He wanted to be the one who was the grand poopah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Abraham, he's a great man. Oh, have you heard about Abraham? Oh, he's a great, yeah, I made him rich. I'm the one that did that for him. Abraham said, nothing doing. I will not take anything that is yours lest you should say I've made Abraham rich except only what the young men have eaten in, the, you know, in, their, in their campaign and the portion of the men who went with me, Aner, Askel, and Mamre. Let them take their portion, but I'm not taking anything. Now, that was a, even though Abraham was rich, you know, you can be rich, but you can be richer. You can have a million, but you can have two million. Evidently, this was, this was a pretty good bounty. Enough that the king of Sodom thought he could brag about it. So it wasn't just a paltry amount. In reference to what Abraham already had. Abraham was rich in cattle and lands already. This king was knew that the value of what he was offering Abraham was so great that if Abraham took it, this king could take credit for all of Abraham's wealth. So it couldn't have been like 25% more than what Abraham had. It had to have been at least double, maybe many times over what he had. Substantial enough that he knew he could get credit. Abraham said, no, not going to do it. And he walked away from all that wealth. That's a pretty big loss. I said, that's a pretty big loss. Praise the Lord. What could be, he just walked away from. Now look. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, do not be afraid. You know, have have you ever walked away from something that in the natural looked like it was really good? Maybe a job offer, maybe something, you know, and you just... You just knew you couldn't do it. You know, it's just something wasn't right. 
And as soon as you walked away, the devil jumped on your shoulder and said, boy, you are a big old fool. Look what you've just walked. Somebody else is going to get what you should. Devil ever talk to you like that? The devil was evidently talking in Abram's, Abraham's ear at this point. And he was, he was tempted to be kind of a, because, you know, he, 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 had, he was rich. But, you know, you can lose that. Somebody can kill all your cattle or they can starve and your crops die. I mean, you know, the devil's telling me this stuff. God, in a vision, the Lord came to him and says, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. He said, I will shield you from all ruin, all, uh, all, all harm. And I am your exceeding great reward. That word reward in the Hebrew means salary, wage, money supply, and compensation. It's talking about the old moolah. It's talking about that, that what we call the greenbacks. He said, do not be, because he, because he tithed and did it God's way. Here's an interesting thing. It says that Abraham gave, you got time for this? Abraham gave him a tithe of all that spoil. He didn't take any of the spoil. He didn't take one penny except the the, the food that the young men had eaten as other people for himself. He didn't take any of that spoil. It had to have been an enormous spoil valued even, I'm, I'm assuming, greater than what his whole net worth was already. He didn't take any of it, but he tithed on it. Somebody said, well, I don't know. I don't believe in tithing on the gross. I just tithe on the net. Come on. Abraham tithes, he took out of his own resources and gave a tenth of the value of the spoils and didn't take any of the spoils. He took that out of his own coffers. Some people are just cheap. But a lot of us aren't. I am not going to cheat God out of anything that belongs to him. I, I mean, you give me a penny, I'm going to cut it into 10 pieces and give God his part. Amen. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We'll stop there today. I only went 37 minutes, so according to my clock. <laughs> praise the Lord. God is good, isn't he? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your financial plan. What you said to Abram, you say to the church today, try me in this. Father, let those words ring in the hearts of every hearer today. Let those words resonate. Let those words fill the heart and the imagination of everyone in the church. The word of the Lord reverberating, try me now. Don't put it off. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing, there will not be room enough to contain.
Whew, glory to God. Father, we receive your word. We receive your promise. And we step up and we are putting you to the test. Every time we tithe and give offerings, we're putting you to the test. And we're expecting you to prove what you said to be true in our lives. Glory to God. Thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Lord, for your hand. Amen. Do you receive that today? Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, I'm glad I came today. I, I got so much out of that. I mean, I, while I was teaching, I got revelation. I shared some, some of what I said I'd never even thought of before. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you for increase, for abundance, Lord. We know, Father, that you cannot lie. It's impossible for you, impossible for you to lie. So we take you at your word today. And we're going to honor you in such a way, Lord, that you will respect our offerings. Honor you with the first fruits of all of our increase. We expect our barns to be filled with plenty. We expect our vats to overflow with new wine. We expect it. We insist on it. You said it. We're holding you to your word. We expect it. Like they say in the natural, doggone it, we expect it. (laughs) We just expect it. Hallelujah. Father, glory to God. We know that you are a faithful God, that you keep your word. And so we're happy. We're happy today because we, we have something to look forward to. So I don't know about you, but I tithe today. So I have something to look forward to. I have something to look forward to this week. And, and, and I will have something to look forward to next week. And the week after that, I have something to look forward to. What is the windows of heaven? Ah, glory to God. Are open to me. They're open to you if you're a tither. God, God respects. I like that, that God respected Abel and his offering. Not just his offering, he respected Abel. One of the greatest compliments you can ever give or can ever be given about you is to have somebody say, you know, I respect them. It's one of the, and that's just the respect of men. Whew. You respect me. Glory. Hallelujah. That's pretty weighty. That's pretty weighty. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.